0: On today's episode of Deeper Planet, I speak with Kareem Hijazi. He is a cybersecurity and counterintelligence expert with over 15 years experience helping get an upper hand on cybercriminals worldwide. Today, Kareem has made several life adjustments and redefined what success looks like by refocusing on family, fatherhood, and personal growth. We speak to Kareem about his many aspects in life, including finding meaning inside a more sustainable and fulfilled lifestyle. Hi Kareem, how are you today?
1: I'm doing very well, Daryl. Great to be here.
0: Thank you for joining me today. You know, we've had some discussions on the Wisdom app, which is now my favorite app. I'm probably yours too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, we've had some all kinds of discussions from technology to like, you know, culture to, uh, you know, employment, um, <laughs> cyber yep. security. We've had all kinds of talks, you know, um, and I've enjoyed them thoroughly. I really have. And, I have um, and it's so nice to see your, you know, the way you're you're shaping your life now and things like that. But I want to like get the this audience that's listening on the podcast just a little like background uh, as to why you're the most fascinating guy on the Wisdom app, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, tell us a little okay. bit how you went from you know your early days to bartender to uh, yeah. where you are today because uh, it's pretty pretty amazing.
1: Sure. No, happy to do so. Um, yeah. And it's a story that that's interesting that, that really, um, I actually led with that story in my actual podcast, which, um, I thought was an interesting way to get people acquainted with who I was so that when I started to share some more, colorful stories, you know, the ones that are more adventure driven and written, I haven't even gotten to some of those yet. And quite frankly, they would really have more context. There would be, you know, to think of it from a movie standpoint or maybe a TV show standpoint, the character building is an important part of this. You start to really identify with the way that person might have thought about the problem. They can sort of see things through my view, but to your, to your point, yeah, I've had an incredibly interesting life. In fact, my last episode that I just pushed up, mm, yeah, it was yesterday. I think it was yesterday. I talk about even where I was born and, and kind of how I was raised and a little bit of that, not very much. It was an 11 minute, uh little short, short version of the podcast, but it gave people a really good sense of my origin story a little bit. And um, I won't go too far back because we don't have time today, Daryl. but I'll I'll start where you said which I think is what my profile says on on wisdom, which is, yes, I was indeed a New York bartender. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But funny enough, that was a um, product of necessity where I had to pay my bills. And uh, I really moved to New York to be a photographer. And I was hoping to get into that world. And I realized how hard it really was. I was young and naive and, and sort of thought, Oh, well, you know, I'll just find my way. And, you know, and, and in some capacity I did, but it, it was a very twisted, windy path, not that direct line that you think about when you're younger and you're like, Oh, I'll just go this direction and it'll magically show up. that <laughs> way. Um, and learned a lot since then. But yeah, the bartending, I, I put that in my profile by design, not to be silly, but because I'll tell you, Daryl, that was the most incredible life experience socially uh, social training if you will that I've ever had in my life And it's absolutely had huge implications on everything since then in a big way Everything through getting into the corporate intelligence work that I was doing and then even now and negotiating how to get funding from my companies um, Even to my personal, you know family and friend life. It's just this app is a good example of that I hopped on one day and I kind of took the leap of faith to kind of just start talking about some ideas that I felt were nicely structured and people responded. And I've been completely grateful. But a lot of that starts with this ability to jump into something that I wasn't necessarily comfortable doing um, the name of my podcast, for those who don't know it, is The Introverted Iconoclast. So it's kind of a funny little play on words. Yeah,
0: I actually had to look yeah. up iconoclast because it's not my yeah. normal lexicon. <laughs> you want to explain a little bit how you yeah. define iconoclast because sure. it, for some people it may be different,
1: right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's kind of the medieval version of the word, which is <laughs> not very good. It's, it's really someone that goes against religious beliefs and all that, which is not the point of my terminology. Today, the word's kind of been used more uh, as a changemaker, a rebel, someone that really is looking to upset the apple cart for the standards, which is very much what I do in my life. I try mm-hmm. to I build startups. I build things that are meant to um, conflict with the status quo and, and find better ways, you know, Uberize things effectively, right? Make things more efficient, more, more interesting. But that will fly in the face of the existing platforms that exist that, that are making a lot of money. So you really have to fight and being an introvert, you know, it kind of goes against my nature. I'm not thrilled about pissing people off or, you know, having people upset with me. I don't like the feeling of that. I'm I don't thrive in conflict that way. But unfortunately, you have to figure out how to navigate those waters carefully and good leaders and what we'll get into the course through the course of this conversation, success in my mind is is figuring out how to do right by others but then also find a way to be successful for yourself and your, your close proximity, your family and whatnot. And that doesn't always work out well. It's hard. And, um, I've had to find ways to get comfortable with things I would never be comfortable with. And, um, and, and you know, it's not always that straightforward, but yeah, the bartending experience made way to an opportunity back in the Middle East that I went back to to take on and it was a very boring clerical role in a in an oil equipment trading company out of all things, Daryl. And uh I in that job I found an opportunity to get information so that this company would win a deal, a big deal. It was a it was an oil, so you can probably imagine the magnitude of these types of deals. Mm-hmm. And that was where I got the bug, man. I was like, wow, I can information at least that's what it was now it's intelligence and all these fangled terminologies but then the information age was blossoming and if you were a broker of good information you could do really really well and it Mm -hmm. kind of dawned on me and i was like well you can get information in one of two ways and back then it was primarily socially engineered it was through communicating with people directly today of course and in the world that i'm in presently it's digital you know everything is essentially transferring over little electric signals across wires and satellite comms, and if you can grab those out of the air, well, you're just in the same. You're in the same place I was 20 years ago, but now doing it electronically, which is what I help companies protect themselves from. And uh, yeah, and then I moved into building companies that pr- produced solutions for it, and we'll get into that if it's of interest to you. Which is decoupling something that you build from yourself, so that you can sell it and not sell yourself perpetually, because there's only so much Daryl and so much cream to go around. So if you can memorialize yourself or an idea into something that can be de- decoupled, then you win big. You can sell it and make out like a bandit like I did for a while there and
0: mm-hmm.
1: with my family. And then, and then um, you know, proverbially get to where you're like, I did it, I'm done. And then you realize <laughs> I'm not very happy. What's going on? Right. And that's what I think we wanted to touch on today in the, in the, in the conversation.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, my podcast here is about, you know, thinking deep thoughts um, and, you know, exploring and exercising uh, sort of that flexibility of your mind and being open minded. Of course, you know, enjoying the deepness of real true love and and, uh, communication with your heart. Right. Mm -hmm. And that space of yourself and then how to live a deeper life, a really rich and deep, fulfilled life. So we'll we'll touch on a lot of those things uh, in this in this uh, in this episode here. Um, So when you had all of these things going on, because I mean, you think Mm -hmm. about it in in the in the real world, (laughs) if Mm -hmm. you've got some sizable money, You've had yeah. some sizable success. You've had some uh, adventure in your life, right? right, right obviously, right. some people are attracted to some danger, right? And you had right. some of that. Yeah. So when you had all that, obviously, beautiful wife and kids, Thank you know, we have all of these things going on, right? Where did you like say and look in the mirror, look at your situation, and say? yes but Mm -hmm. where does it go from there
1: yeah uh, that's a really good question and i have a startling answer and i've actually shared this story probably either i don't think it was even in my own talk it may have been me visiting in on someone else's talk here in wisdom but i'll I'll share it here because it's incredibly relevant daryl there was a day that i had my company um in the final throes of exit uh, and for those that don't know the terminology, that was me selling my company to a to an acquirer. They were buying my company for me, and I was in the final final hours of it. And my I was I was sitting on the couch, uh, dirty t shirt, unshaven, exhausted, broken person essentially from having to go through that process. So it's it's interesting what you'll do for what you perceive to be important. You know, like this huge win, and it was important. I'm not trying to belittle that. I in no way would I suggest people should not try to attain wealth. uh, It does a lot of good, but then there's this story that I'm going to share that was incredibly, it was visceral because it happened right then. And so I'm hitting this like return key to refresh key on the, on the keyboard to watch my bank account go from what it was to like all these zeros. Right. And it was just, it was surreal. There's no other way to to put it. And Mm -hmm. you're intoxicated by this feeling of my gosh, my life's about to change in, in, in seconds from now, you know, and you, you know, the impending, And Brandy has pictures of this. She literally has them and they're funny because they're me just like hunched over, tired, hitting. And then all of a sudden I'm like sitting up and my eyes are wide and it's like, oh my gosh. And then there's the next picture of me like with a champagne bottle. And there's another picture of me like pretty much passed out with the champagne bottle. So (laughs) it was cool. But then this is where the story goes a little bit dark. That evening, Brandy held a dinner uh, in a not overly extravagant place that was for me and the team to celebrate the win. And I, I stared at the bank account for like hours and it sounds terrible. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm embarrassed telling the story, but it's important for everyone to hear it. And I'm looking at this, this bank account, I'm enamored by what I've done. I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is incredible. I just never in a millionaire thought I'd ever get here. Again, the word surreal just was so, so pertinent. And, uh, you know, she's like, Hey, you gotta get ready for dinner. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. And I, you know, turn off my laptop and I go to dinner and the entire course of this, this dinner, and this is terrible to say, and again, I'm, again, I'm, I'm embarrassed to admit this. I was dreading paying the bill for that dinner because I knew it would actually reduce the number in that bank account, Daryl. It was awful. <laughs> is a dinner. I mean, wow. it's like nothing, I mean, nothing It yeah. was, probably would make more an interest, you know, whatever. But it was just one of these things where I was like, and I didn't realize it then it was, it was several, I don't know, maybe months later, I wouldn't say weeks where I was like, I'm terrible. I, and this is, te- this is terrible, not just me, but this is awful. Mm-hmm. This is not a place I want to be in, you know? And I've used this funny analogy or, or, um, you know, the movie fight club, <laughs> mm-hmm. where one of, uh, one of the characters says to the other character, you know, it's, it's, it's a real, you know, I'm paraphrasing that it's really scary when the things that you own own you. And man, I had gone through the looking glass on that. And that was a massive, really sad realization of where things have gotten to. And it took a massive toll on Brandy and I and the kids. And while it did bring efficiency to our lives and travel and some of the beautiful things that do come with affluence, it really started to tear at the core of us, which was this young couple with credit cards maxed out to make this work and really in love. and i'm still very much in love but we we had to go through some real battles together to get back to a good place and that was the moment uh, just to answer your question explicitly and it was a very very startling moment because i'm like wait 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 what this is not the feeling i thought i should be having it should be all bliss right nope not so much
0: very interesting i mean when you think about uh what you said there you know what you own owns you yeah um Yeah, I mean, I feel like that sometimes uh, in my business with not with regard to stuff, because I'm pretty not really into stuff and money or anything like that. But Mm -hmm. the the time and attention that a business takes it is a bit like a petulant child yeah. because it, it's always needing you and so like when you start to engage and a lot of people that aren't entrepreneurs don't know what you're talking about when you say maxed out credit cards how could you you made five million dollars last year how could you have maxed out credit cards right, right. and and so uh, a lot of people don't understand that it isn't always like that sometimes you have to fund the next you know, the next increment of money between yeah. now and then. Right? That's right. <laughs> and so uh, do you want to touch a little bit about those kinds of, you know, frustrations with just oh, yeah. running the ups and downs of a business? You know, the, yeah. uh, the shoots and ladders.
1: <laughs> well said. Yeah, it's exactly that. It's funny. Um, so Brandy and I, you know, gluttons for punishment. We actually, um, she, we actually got pregnant when I started this company, not the one I'm doing presently, but the one before. So not only did I have a baby, a real baby on the way I had this one, as you put it very accurately, this petulant, ever needing business baby that was needing my time as much if not more sometimes than even Mm -hmm. Brandy. It was really, really hard. And so, yeah, word of advice, try it if you you can at all, (laughs) plan, (laughs) plan a little bit. Um, But yes, it is incredibly difficult. And it's Unless, and you know, it's funny. The very first talk that Brandy and I did here on Wisdom was, I think I called it. Thank you. Yeah, surviving and thriving in an entrepreneurial family because it's not you alone in it. Especially if you're, you know, have a family or significant other or kids or all of it above it. They get, I'm going to say it bluntly, get dragged along with you when you decide you want to go that route, and and they don't sometimes have as much of a choice in it because they've kind of made their choice and it's, it's, it's a testament to their faith in you and it's lovely, it's beautiful, but it's also very tasking and, and taxing um, on them as much as it is on you because they have to put up with those long hours, uh, innumerable amount of dinners. I didn't make uh, Daryl where Brandy and the kids had it alone. And, uh, you know, in retrospect, that was not, I, I wish I could have swapped that around. I wish I went, I wish I just cut it off and went for the dinner. It would have been more important. I missed, I missed massive swaths of my children's, you know, age, ages that you can't get back kind of times, you know, things like that. And, uh, not horribly. I mean, look, I have, for all intents and purposes, I, I had the luxury of being able to do things wherever I'd work from home most of the time. So that was a very nice benefit, but this is where it's interesting. I was home and I was just a room away from my family. Mm-hmm. But when I would leave that room and I would come to the dinner table or I'd come to watch a movie on Friday night with the kids, Um, I, Brandy would call me out a lot. She's like, you're not here. I'm like, yeah, I'm right here. Like, no, you're not here. And she was right. I wasn't, my head was somewhere else. I was thinking about something with the business that happened. That was, that was the part where I I realized that, you know, founders and entrepreneurs look like they've got it all because it looks like they run their own show and we do guys like us do. But the, the tax that comes with that is that you're forever in that headspace unless you cognitively decide to say, Nope, shutting it off. And that takes effort. That takes talent. Uh, I use those words specifically cause I'm still perfecting it right now. Um, I don't turn off as much as I'd like to turn off. Sometimes I'm getting into that space now. That's why this was such a perfect podcast to jump on with you because it's about returning to a primal nature that you forget when you do things like business where you get sucked into the materiality of it all quickly and you don't even realize you're there. It's a bit of a frog in the pot you don't realize you're quite there until you're pretty well-boiled, and you gotta find a way to back out from that.
0: Yeah, I can identify a lot with you. I think that's why we kind of become friends so quickly on this platform. But I think the one of the reasons is is because I am a bit of an introvert. I'm an omnivert, but I'm an introvert yeah. when it comes to solving problems and engaging in my business and all of that. And when you told that story on that talk with your wife, yeah. I was like I totally understand because, you know, um it is hard to be fully present and that's why I'm doing this. This 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 whole podcast is because I'm a work in progress. I am trying to work on myself to become Um, more whole uh, as a human being. And so I, um, I just was so excited to get you on here because I was hearing like, you know the actual, not just the cracks in the egg, but yeah, I, I could yeah. see like parts of the egg of the former self of you, uh, yeah. changing and metamorphosizing into a more whole individual, a more whole father, a more whole uh, partner. Exactly. And and so yeah, so and I'm sure that comes with its challenges with your your old business self. Uh, I don't know if there's any if there's any space mm-hmm. that you want to talk about that where yeah. sometimes there is a rub between you know your 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 new, um, found, um, liberation, right. And then your, your previous, uh, world expectations.
1: Yeah, no, well said. And and it's interesting because you're right. There is no, like, I like to call it a hard line of transition. There's not that there's vacillation that happens. Um, Mm, there are days where I wake up and I'm super, you know, business cream. You know, I, I, I said this, I think during the, um, call or the the wisdom talk with brandy where i'm in batman mode not bruce wayne mode (laughs) and uh you know we have a joke in the family you know my my brother-in-law is pretty much superman and i'm batman this is personalities being like a former little goth kid you know i tend to be perfect batman um and you know i think that that was kind of uh and and the kids and brandy recognize that with me they're like oh dad's in that mode today you know they can tell i'm not i'm not in like family mode and it's not because it's a bad thing it's just that Another little anecdote that I'll tell you as it relates to how the family in in uh, Really took on parts of my personality. My daughter Judy was uh, man, she had to have been two two and a half Daryl and In that era, I was still in the throes of the business like big time like very much not where I am today I was very much like that's the focus that's got to get the attention Sorry, you know family you'll come you'll be there, but you're you're second to this sad, but but true and Judy, my two, two, two and a half year old would, um, there's a, it's on video somewhere. She probably put it on Instagram somewhere if I can find it. She'd literally grab the TV control off the table and then like jump off, off the couch, grab the TV control and then run around the back of the couch going, I'm, 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 like faking the t- fake talking because she was copying me she, she, that was what oh, she had the had phone. It. Yeah. Yeah. She, it wasn't a real phone, but she'd pick up the TV control. yeah yeah It was a cell phone that rang and she had to run behind the couch or leave the room to talk. And I was like, Oh my gosh, that is wow. what I've trained my child inadvertently that I'm doing. Mm.
0: This is awful
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the, yeah. So to your point, the level of where you like, back to the idea that you get sucked in and you don't even know, you know, and and you know, kids watch really carefully and closely, and you know, and it's this is getting deeper here, and I don't know how much time we'll have to get into unpack this. This might be a secondary talk. <laughs> sure, that's what you're welcome I, to have that too. Thanks, Daryl. Yeah, I literally did everything con- contrary to what the, my dad was like. I didn't want to do business. I didn't want to make money or anything when I was a child. I even said this in my last podcast, the, the short one, because my dad was doing that. And here I was, I became the very animal that I was trying to avoid being. And there was my daughter emulating this characteristic or behavior that I absolutely didn't want to do. Uh, but I got sucked into it. So, yeah, it it's a commitment and you know, now mind you, my family dealt with it because they also believed in me. They believed in what we were trying to do and achieve and we've benefited tremendously. So I don't want to keep demonizing it as it's all horrible. No, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to say, go be a Brahmin in the woods and, you know, wear a loincloth and, (laughs) (laughs) um, but I will say that there's, there's value in minimalism and that's where I've landed more now where I've committed to Brandy that if we sell this next company, we'll actually reduce down rather than add to your point, Daryl, it's not about things. It's about freedom and it's about life and, and experiences and, you know, good food and and, and, and breathing and, and just enjoying enjoying the very concept of living, which is something that you look at some of the most prolific business people in the world, like the Musk's of the world. These are some unhealthy, miserable people in the grand scheme of things. I hate to say it. I mean, look at them. I mean, they they're not they're not looking too hot. They're they're look pretty rough, you know. And I've because it's taking a toll on them. And I was very rapidly barreling toward that that type of person, you know, in my mid forties, Daryl, if I stopped, if I didn't start taking care of myself, the real me, uh, yeah, I would have, I would have probably been, I'd probably be way more ailing now and I would continue to really decline going forward. So yeah, it becomes imperative. If you can figure that out sooner than later, more power to you.
0: We're speaking today to Kareem Hajazi. He is a cybersecurity professional businessman, uh, corporate intelligence uh, person, and he has spent a lot of times creating businesses uh, from the ground up in the space of uh, cybersecurity and uh, corporate intelligence. Um, I have a few more questions here. Actually, we have several more questions. I want to ask you, you had mentioned uh, Uber and with regard to Iconoclast as the definition Mission. yeah um, and when I think of Uber and I think of uh, some of these uh, companies as disruptors right. I wanted to know if you feel that the word disruptor and iconoclast are different and, mm-hmm. and, and because to me I, was, I had a different idea about a disruptor for disrupting sake of a marketplace and iconoclast where you're thinking outside the rigid uh, past and traditions for a better outcome. I don't know what you think
1: yeah i would agree with you i think they're closely related one begets the other uh iconoclasts disrupt so it's almost like the verb of the noun um best Mm -hmm. way to be best way to look at it um and i think that you know the the term iconoclast is interesting because it's um it immediately incites the idea of, of even the word the very like kind of the stop plosives in it, you know, from a from a linguistic standpoint, almost have this like explosive nature to them. Um, You know, and Uber very much, you know, and I'll say, Travis Kalanick, the founder of Uber was indeed an iconoclast without question. Now, Mm. different kind of iconoclast than maybe myself, I'm much more, I I strive to be a little bit more diplomatic in my approach than he was, I think. And I, you know, I think this is the funny part about it, people immediately assume I'm going to be this abrasive, harsh character because of that, that word. And it's like, no, 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 it's about helping refine ideas and maybe have people that otherwise thought one way shift their mindsets to another because they hadn't thought of it a certain way. And you can inspire versus brute force them into some new way of being. Uh, Everyone's a little bit different that way. But I think the disruption part of it is key. Because if you don't strive to break a outdated, broken ish system, then it never changes because there's too many people benefiting from the old guard in many cases. And look, I mean, you know, we could get into some heavy topics. I mean, the, the whole energy industry is a classic example of that. It's, it's frankly outdated. Um, so are the community, so is the communications industry, but there's such a tight grip by too many people benefiting that it doesn't open up the opportunity for innovation easily. So it takes these very garish, very uh, passionate people to come through and break through the noise and get people to recognize there is a better way. And that's hard because you're an aberration to the existing system. And if you look in nature, an aberration or something that's essentially a mutant version or an evolved version of what is there, if it's one versus many, it usually gets killed. And that's what most startups do. They die because they're generally fighting the incumbent system and the flow of the system in such a way that they are automatically targeted and attacked. And for them to survive, they have to have an immense amount of inertia and momentum to do it. And it's usually through the sheer will of the founders and the team that get assembled in early days. So it's a pretty epic thing when you see startups actually truly, truly catch fire. And, and change a, an existing system. It's really hard and rare. I just want to mention, uh, I met you on the Wisdom app. If
0: anybody's listening and want to get involved with the Wisdom app uh, that we speak of, go to wisdom.audio, and you can download uh, for your Android or uh, Apple or iOS device uh, easily from there. There's no cost for the app, and you get to meet great people like Kareem on here as well. Kareem, I just want to say, you know, I've been listening to you. You are having tremendous success uh, with, you know, with if you were to measure based on followers and the fact mm-hmm. that you get a lot of reactions on the Wisdom app as I just watch you. And then I listen uh, to your podcast. Uh, you've, you've had some amazing interviews with other people as well. You have a strong vocabulary. Now, some people have like 50 mm-hmm. cent words. You got like $5 words that are like <laughs> ready to go and you say yeah. them like not to be the smartest guy in the room. Yeah. You, you kind of you sprinkle them in with, with humility and you just sort of say them in there. Do you do a lot of reading? Do you work on that? Like, how is it that you are, uh, what has inspired you, I guess, with your language?
1: Yeah, no, thank you for that. Um, and I appreciate you you recognizing that. Uh, it's so funny you say that, because this, this last little podcast I was referencing, this 11 minute podcast that I did yesterday about my origin story a little bit. I had a really incredibly interesting education growing up. So my grammar school and middle school was in the country of Kuwait but it was an American school there and Mm -hmm. it, uh, was really one of the only accredited foreign schools there that had all of the expats. So I had a lot of European nationals and, and the teachers were extremely, um, capable and accredited and and acclaimed and they were brought in and they were, they were risk takers. Again, think about it. You're going to Mm -hmm. Kuwait as an American teacher. I mean, no, don't get me wrong. War wasn't as, it wasn't as it, the Middle East didn't have quite the sort of um, you know stigma that it kind of has now I guess the best way for me to put it um, it was a little bit more opportunistic and people saw it as an opportunity to go there and, and, and try to grow but I had a really great uh, foundational education there but to your point I'm a really really big self educator I read I do read a lot I, um, mm-hmm. I and to your point about the vocabulary that is our only means of communication over things like this because we can't be together. You can't see my body language. So frankly, if you're going to have to live with the systems that exist today, do your best to find the right uh, narratives and, and wording and everything else to really you know, elicit the response you want. And uh, so, yeah, I find it I th- it's very valuable and it's been forgotten. It's an old art mm, that, that yeah. many people just don't bother with anymore for whatever reason.
0: I got to ask you this question based on that. Do you have some people that you interact with that think uh, he just thinks he's the smartest guy in the room, and uh, <laughs> you know he thinks he's better than us because he uses yeah. all these five dollars words? Do you right. ever get that kind of uh, you know pushback from
1: people? Thankfully, not so much. Um, yeah. And and I think it has less to do with the fact that um, I, I strive to make sure that I'm in a receiving. Posture, rather than a delivering one.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I rather listen and then share a response that maybe sounds good and, and, and sounds like it's well well constructed and thought through, rather than just barreling forward all these words to get as many into the, into the sentence as I possibly can, which would then usually elicit the response you're talking about, right? Mm, so, yeah, it's more about demeanor in terms of humility and That's a good point than it is the actual language. Yeah.
0: Well, that's what I was going to say is um, it kind of feels like you're shifting into obviously founder, CEO, or uh, maybe just founder at some point mm-hmm. and content creator. Am I right to assume that you're kind of going toward this content creation is yeah. sort of a uh, not just a side hustle, but a main hustle eventually?
1: Very much so. So a little story on, on the podcast and how it was born. Uh, and literally, I've only been at this podcasting thing since January of this year. So I'm fairly new to it. Um, and believe it or not, this podcast was supposed to be <laughs> a podcast for my company. Um, and what, um, and I tasked someone to go and get it started and read about it, learn how podcasts, you know, everything from, you know, your distribution channels to, you know, the, the hosting the RSS feeds and everything else you, you and I both know about. And, uh, the individual just sidetracked into it. I'm like, all right, fine, I'll do it. And so I, I got looking into it. And I'd always had this vision back to being this visual character that really loves to think about what I want to end up. And I thought, you know, I'll eventually retire, for lack of a better term, which is my version of just doing things that I want to do without any interest in money. And I would sit on a port in maybe the south of Spain and drink uh, a macchiato or, or some sort of coffee and then just write a book. That was my big grand finale, right, that I had this vision around. And then I realized, wait a second, this podcast thing could actually be the more um, interesting version of that end game, if you will, because the memorial, the memorializing of my life could be done vocally, and it could be done with intonation and things that would be way more interesting. I could narrate my own book, sure, in an audio book. But I think The podcast is interesting because it lets me do it in segments and I can get feedback in real time. And so that's how it happened. And I will absolutely be sticking with this forever. I'm really enjoying it a lot.
0: Well, one thing I can say as a professional that's worked in broadcasting for quite a long time is you're one articulate, two you have a sense of humility when you talk You come across with curiosity. You have a depth to you that, and you're flexible, uh, ready to pivot into the conversation to where your guests are going. So I I think it's even less about your story, uh, over time. It's really about how that story allows you to show up to interview other people and their stories and how it all kind of comes together. Like, uh, you know, um, I think where is where you're going. It, it just sounds like you're really, really capable and strong these, uh, these character traits.
1: I I appreciate that very much, Daryl. And yeah, and the, and the, the, very benevolent byproduct of my life is I've met some incredibly interesting people, mm-hmm. um, all kinds. You know, my the one of my interviews recently is with a, a, a friend of mine. Um, he goes by his hacker handle, ArSnake. And yes, he uh,
0: saw that. Yeah, yeah,
1: and he's great. And you know, ArSnakes fans. His name is Robert Hanson, but I don't think I've ever called him Robert. Um, but he's just really, really capable, incredible guy. We have very complementary skill sets. Some, some that overlap, and we get into some incredible conversations that, you know, it's almost like what I wanted to do with this was allow a little bit of a kind of a looking glass into this world that many never get a chance to see and they maybe hear about it or they really f- see the movies and the TV shows that represent a Hollywood stylized version of what the real stuff is. And the real stuff, believe it or not, is sometimes inspired by the Hollywood <laughs> plays, right? there's. There's a lot of things that the ideas come art, life imitates art in a big way with this business in some ways where, you know, science fiction turns into reality, just give it time. And, uh, yeah. And and so I've had this wonderful blessing of meeting some incredibly interesting people that, um, and then the nice thing is that I've forged a relationship with them in such a way that they are willing to come on and communicate in a way that they otherwise wouldn't somewhere else with me. And it's very, um, it's very, uh, cathartic for them as much as it is for me, because we don't get to talk about this and I'm breaking a bit of a mold by being a guy that was in this type of world where it's quite shadowy and there's a lot of subterfuge and being able to now share that information very artfully without breaching agreements and all that is extremely liberating. And for others to see that, because I've had a lot of calls going, are you crazy? I'm like, no, I think it's, important because most, most people have no idea that this was real you know and that's why I started and led with my personal story because it's your choice to believe me or not and, and hopefully you know I know some of these things sound a little bit wild and crazy like a hit squad after me it's true pretty pretty insane I'm not proud of it but it's real and it's in, you're right to your point it's incredibly interesting. And sometimes inspiring for people that'll get them going. It'll be like, Wow, that now that's how I wanna do things. I wanna I wanna go out with a bang. I wanna feel like I did all that I possibly could in my life. Don't go find a hit squad after you, but you know, go do things that make you feel <laughs> feel alive is the key to your point, Daryl.
0: Let me ask you this question. You actually got like you said, you just talked about getting a hit squad after you kind right. of messing with some nation states, uh, you know, yep. the anonymous uh, spin-off group. You know, you've had uh Libya uh mm-hmm. government against you. So all of these things, you know, minus the money. Right. The the danger for that and and you know you as a man, I'm sure want to protect your family. You want yes. to protect your spouse. You want to pers- pers- protect your kids and everything. You know to to sort of retire that version of you for this family man that's now available to your family uh, to to show to you know show up. I mean, if the most dangerous thing you're going to do now is to have a wisdom talk and <laughs> divulge and something, if yeah. that's yeah. the most dangerous thing you're doing, I, I guess that that's not so uh, bad. Um, right, so yeah, so what, tell me a little bit about that. Like, if, You did say it's freeing, but mm-hmm. um, did you feel, like the word that comes to my mind is it wasn't sustainable.
1: Yeah, you're exactly right. And you bring up a really important dichotomy in in, in the world that, and I'm not just talking about intelligence and security and all that. I'm talking about people that have a very adventurous or maybe precarious lifestyle, like, you know, special operations, military folks, and, um, you know, policemen that, you know, SWAT units, right. Where they have these incredibly high, high stress, high risk roles. Right. But these are not people forced into those roles. They do them because they love them. Yeah. And, you know, I will admit, um, I, just like I mentioned when I got the bug doing that job and I'm like, I was just ex- exhilarated. I was like, Oh, I feel alive doing this work. This is incredible. It's so exciting. Yes. It had inherent risk associated with it, but I was worth it to me as a young guy <clears throat> in my twenties and you know, um, but then you're entirely correct. The, the, the shift, the pivot back to exactly what the title of this interview is, which is redefining success and pivoting. Man, it's not easy because um, I was speaking to someone else on Wisdom not too long ago, Justin, um, who probably knows if he's listening, he'll know who I'm talking. We know who was, he was. I think he was a policeman. Very similar situation where he had a hard time uh, relinquishing that desire for the rush, uh, despite having all these things that he had to protect. And this is the scary part to, for those that are interested in, the, in this type of role you're irritating people to where they're not going to come after you because you're formidable. You know, I'll defend myself independently, but I can't protect everyone. I can't protect all my kids. I can't, you know, I can't always watch Brandy and, you know, I can try to equip them as much as I can, but you run that risk. So to your point, Daryl, there's a this very interesting there's no standard for decoupling and some people never do. You know, you look at some of the guys that have been in extremely high pressure you know military environments like the seals and delta and other places like that and green berets they have failed marriages left and right you know they have kids that are estranged and it's so sad because they just simply cannot leave that right whether physically or mentally or both or emotionally they're still stuck in it and with me i'm transmuting the energy from that or that desire to have the rush now translate into watching others come about mentoring younger guys in this right, the right way where I can vicariously kind of engage in it somewhat. Um, and just be like, yeah, I know exactly what he's thinking right now. He's exhilarated. He just got this project and I hope it goes as well as it did for me, you know, and I get to live out, you know, like an old guy, (laughs) someone else's (laughs) life going forward, but, but I will tell you it's again, back to the no hard lines of transition, I do fluctuate, I vacillate. There are days I wake up and I wish I was right back in the thick of it. And it seems uh, dispassionate to my family, but it's the honest truth. There are moments where Brandy can tell and like lamenting not having that freedom, again, the way I had it. And it's not because I don't love them, it's just the way I'm built.
0: Interesting. Um, now that you're on a platform called Wisdom, and we're just giving more <laughs> plugs and love to Wisdom, um, but there is discussions on there about things like God and Spirit, yeah. and uh, laws of attraction and woo-woo stuff. Sure. <laughs> so, um, with your sort of mindset. Do you have a hard time with that kind of thing, uh, or do you say if I put that stuff together, I'll go from Batman to Superman and Batman?
1: <laughs> yeah, well said. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll preface the answer with the fact that you know, unfortunately, my first exposure to religion—I'll just broadly call it that—we'll uh, start there. Uh, not, I'm not talking about spirituality per se. I'm talking about organized religion was really just a reason for war. I mean my in my youth, that was all it was about, whether it was two islamic part you know fractions going at each other or if it was Christians and Muslims or Jews and Muslims or whatever that was the reason that was all it was to me It was just it was a good reason to hurt each other so i I had a from earliest earliest age I can remember. I had kind of a tainted view of re- organized religion as something that was a human creation that was intended to hurt people it sucked it was a utility for the powers that be it was not godly it wasn't there's was nothing vaguely godly about it and with all respect to those that practice their religions very faithfully and devoutly i think they absolutely have every right it's the ones that use it improperly the ones that use it for damage and, and, and corruption and, and destruction and so unfortunately that moved me much more and I I've been a martial artist since I was extremely young. So I always subscribe to a much more Eastern mentality around things and a uh, way of living and a codified way of living life very um peacefully and uh, you know to use the James Bond uh phrase I said this the other day, you know, be half monk, half hitman. You know, that was kind of my strategy is I had a very, very interesting precarious lifestyle from a business perspective, but I had to ground myself in such a way mentally with a codified set of things that were more spiritual, Daryl. And so Mm -hmm. I love seeing this here. I love seeing people kind of awaken, and I love to see this rise to consciousness manifest. I, I subscribe to it. I'm very, very young in terms of my understanding of some of that, because I've had to kind of break free from the constraints of a very materialistic business world, you know, where it's Mm -hmm. all about that with nothing even vaguely spiritual about it. So it's a massive juxtaposition between being in that world, but then also having the need for grounding. And now to your point from literally the wisdom app, finding it. And then my, I was visiting my property in Maui and when I found the app or when I was actually invited, uh, thank, thank you wisdom for trying several times. I appreciate it. Um, because I finally paid attention. I realize the value of uh, that. The that being the spiritual or consciousness side of my my personality. Because I was talking to Kristen last night about this that I have to decouple myself from an expectation of a win and unplan. She had a really great talk on this yes. last night. Yes, right? I was
0: there too. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and that's something I'm getting better at. And and it's that spirituality and it's that inward focus. Dr. Rao talks about this a ton getting yourself back into a place internally focused rather than externally focused that I'm trying to learn more of. So when I sit here and lurk around in wisdom and hear these people talking, these these luminaries like yourself and Kristen and Marcella and, and others here, and that, forgive me if I haven't mentioned your name, you guys are all amazing, that's education for me. That's mentorship for me in a big way. So I'm a fledgling in, in that capacity, but I'm learning. The best I can.
0: Well, I mean, the introverted researcher and in you will get to the bottom of it. And when you do, <laughs> let me know because I want to know, okay? <laughs> <laughs>
1: I think you well ahead of me, Daryl. I'll
0: let there. you do my homework. <laughs>
1: you're, <laughs> so. you're my sage master
0: here, brother. So <laughs> Thank you. you. Yeah. So good. Um, all right. So we're out to our final question uh, for this episode. Um, I want to ask you how is it that your pivots and redefining of success is going to lead you into living a deeper life? In in the coming years.
1: It's funny, I was talking to several folks about this, you know, um, that you kind of, I try to guide some of these younger entrepreneurs to not be overly focused on the material. Like for example, some of my employees at the company that I presently run, they all have equity and you know, they're aiming to win big if this exits and sells. And I can see they're already putting wallpaper up on their laptop screens of cars they want. And you know, it's the classic case there. And I'm trying to tell them, yeah, that's all great and everything, but you're really it's not gonna matter. And you know, but I realized very clearly that if someone told me that before I had gotten there, I probably wouldn't take them very seriously. So you have to let people go through their evolution of realizing things. So for me, now, I think this pivot is to sort of realize that there's this reduction strategy. So to use this Eastern Western paradigm that we just spoke that I spoke of, sure, yeah, Western tends to be overarchingly additive. Grow big get big hustle, you know, and I'm not saying don't work hard But I'm this whole do-it-at-all costs kind of thing and just gain 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 add add add, you know glutinously grab it all right while the Eastern is much more um, Taking the rock and chiseling away to where you get the beautiful piece of art underneath it all that you can't see yet But you get all the detritus off to where you finally have this beautiful thing that that, that was under there lying there And I'm very much subscribed to the latter of those two paradigms. And so my strategy going forward is finding my way to gracefully exit things that maybe I've gotten myself entangled into that I thought I wanted, back to Kristen's talk yesterday, and really refine and reduce. I know these are strange words, but they're reductive and they're, they're, I want to get to a concentrated version of me and Brandy and the kids that are, that is much more just all experiential, like you know, if the kids want to go see what the Mona Lisa looks like, I'm not going to go to a book for it. I'm going to we're going to find a way to go there and see it and get that experience and smell the air and and I love that. Get the right kind of food for the environment and and you know that that's that's what I'm going to do going forward. It's experience because we're not here very long, and I think that's the key thing. You know, at least the the tangible corporeal version of us is not here very long. So <laughs> let's make good use of it while while we have it
0: kareem thank you so much for being a part of deeper planet today i really appreciate yeah i really appreciate this and uh i appreciate you taking the time with us
1: thanks so much daryl it was a blast
0: thank you for listening to deeper planet if you enjoyed this podcast please be sure to subscribe and leave a review and join us next week for another episode of deeper planet with Daryl.